Hello, and welcome back to the Tiny Bites podcast, conversations about living a more intentional life, sometimes short and sweet, sometimes deep dives with interesting people. I'm Britt, and I'm so glad you're tuning in this week. This week is the first part of a very special conversation I got to have with the one and only Kate Flanders a couple of weeks ago. I reached out to Kate to be on Tiny Bites and she graciously accepted. We spoke for over two hours, an hour and a half of which I recorded for the episode. So instead of making one mega episode, I've decided to chunk it out into two episodes to give your ears a break, but also to give you some time to process the stuff that we talk about in this episode. In this first part of the interview, we talk about relationships, what it's been like not blogging anymore, dealing with wanting to be more private, the concept of feedback and how to deal with it when you didn't ask for it, traveling, and what I really wanted to talk about, Kate's forthcoming book. We spend some time talking about the adventures of opting out, and Kate explains what it is we are opting out of and what that looks like. Without further ado, here's the first part of my conversation with Kate. So I guess the the last big thing that happened, I mean, from from our perspective, was the year of less came out, which was awesome and excellent and had lots of, you know, really good response, which is great. Um, and you sort of changed the way that you were using your blog, moving to more of like a newsletter type space. And then you, you know, this this uh, spring decided to do a lot of traveling, which I think is awesome. And you also announced your second book title which I definitely want to talk about so I just feel like there's been a lot of awesome stuff that you've been doing so I don't know I I mean anything you want to touch on is totally cool yeah yeah I mean so um the year of less is my first book it came out in January of 2018 and um it it, I mean like all books they get some good reviews it also got lots of bad ones too so (laughs) and I'm fine with that um but yeah, it did, I would say, better than I expected, um, just sort of being like kind of a medium-sized blogger at the time. Like if you talk stats, like there are blogs out there that have millions of followers, right? Or millions of people read every single month. And mine was kind of like like probably about 50,000 people read it every month, sometimes a bit more, sometimes a bit less. Um, so I expected, you know, like, I don't know, one or 2% of those people to buy the book and, and yeah, but just really had no sort of expectations for how that would go. And so it, it ended up doing, um, yeah, just a lot, a lot better than I expected. I think in the first year it sold just over a hundred thousand copies. And with that though, I noticed and, and not just like with the book selling, but just sort of um, with the the change that's required to like do a book launch and um, or just like, yeah, you're, like what your daily routine has to change and become in order to do a bunch of interviews or to reply to people or just to kind of keep up with it. Um, I noticed like a lot of mixed feelings coming up, like intense gratitude like and I'm feeling it in a big way right now um, which we could talk about later like really intense gratitude but also 
now that I've had some space from it, I can look back and see that it was also this period of kind of like massive personal growth that I hadn't really anticipated. Like, I don't think that, um, like I said, like I, I didn't think the book would do that well. I just sort of assumed, yep, it'll come out, it'll sell some copies and that'll be the end of it. And like, maybe one day I'll get to do this again. Maybe not. Um, so I hadn't really prepared. I don't think for like what a, a next career could be like I just sort of thought I'd keep blogging and like everything would stay the same and, and nothing would really change and and so I think that it required me to sit ask myself a lot of questions about what um what felt good what didn't feel good uh what kind of direction I would want to go in and so things sort of shifted from there like I mean we could talk about some of that stuff but I don't know. I just really realized, like, I guess that in having the oper how do I even like word that? I don't know. I, I I guess just like I really for the first time analyzed what felt good, what felt bad, and realized that some things didn't feel okay anymore. Um, I'd say a, a really big one was sort of uh, like the the book is it. it incredibly personal there's a lot of stuff in there that in writing it I did feel comfortable with and I'm and I'm happy that it's out there and I'm I don't regret any piece of like what's in that book but I think having so much stuff out there all of a sudden it all of a sudden made me feel like I wanted to be private all of a sudden but and, and like I still haven't figured out exactly why or like exactly what what sparked that or whatever but yeah I just really noticed that it sort of felt like okay I sort of put a lot of myself out there and now I would like some privacy again and I I never that was I think one of the biggest shifts that I really didn't expect like I said I just thought I'd keep blogging and everything would stay the same and instead I really noticed this this feeling all throughout the year where I kind of just didn't want to be sharing everything anymore. And I wanted to get to enjoy my life and not have to share it all. And I wanted to get to analyze things, change things, experiment, but like just have that be for me. And and also really wanted um, kind of the opportunity to do some stuff that I haven't done in a long time. Um if I start to talk about this, it'll sound weird because it's so off topic for anything I've talked about ever publicly. <laughs> but I, I think a big thing for me was noticing the shift to feeling comfortable with the idea of dating, which is something I've been really uncomfortable with for a long time. And had a lot of thoughts come up just being like, I don't want to write about this. I don't want to put anyone else out there. Like, I don't want to have to tell anyone else's stories all of a sudden and I'm sure most most guys wouldn't want me to anyways um but just had all these feelings of like this is some some work that I kind of want to do now and I don't want to talk about it like I just want to live my life and just have it be mine um so it came with a lot of mixed feelings like I felt excited about that and just about having some privacy in general I also felt really mixed things it was very hard to consider stepping back from blogging. Um, but I mean, fast forward, 
when did I do that? Like when I guess I walked, I didn't write anything like all spring or summer really last year. And then sort of end of August, I think it was that I was like, okay, officially I'm not going to blog anymore. Um, so now it's been nine, 10 months, I guess, since that's been like official. And like now I have no regrets and I, I occasionally think about blogging, but I, it's never a strong enough feeling that I would sit down and hit publish. Yeah. So <laughs> we can, we can go from there. Any, yeah. Any well, I, I mean, I think that feeling that you, you know, you, that you haven't had that strong feeling probably means that that was the the right choice for you which is awesome that you're you know sticking with it and not sort of you know going back and forth or you know questioning yourself and you sort of stayed strong in that decision I will say that I do miss you blogging Mm -hmm. but that's a very selfish decision and feeling on my part um I, I think it's interesting that you went through a period of or it's still in it wanting to, you know, be more private after living so much of your life online. And I kind of feel like that's an, a normal or natural reaction to creating such a personal piece like the year of less. And I feel like it's just so different than blogging. It's, you know, it's a, it's a, in some cases, a real physical piece of work that, you know, thousands and thousands of people have read. And that just, you know, Probably, I don't know, but I imagine it feels a lot different than thousands and thousands of people just reading a one-off blog post because the book was sort of a much more coherent memoir of your life. So I just, I can certainly understand why you'd want to, you know, take take that step back because I think there is something to be said for keeping something for yourself and, you know, keeping parts of your life for yourself. And so I think... I mean, I think I think that's something that more creators should probably do, even just as like a, a boundary of you know personal self care, just to keep themselves happy and satisfied with their own lives. Yeah, I mean, I will say I think that a lot of people do have really good boundaries with what they share. Um, I think with the book, I and well, like with blogging, I always had some kind of boundary and. And with the book too, I mean, there were certain boundaries and that I set in place. Like I didn't really talk about anyone else's thoughts or feelings. I didn't, you know, like one of the things I talk about is my parents getting divorced. Like I didn't reveal a single detail about why um, or what was going on for them. And that was very intentional. Like that's not, that's not on me. That's not up to me. That's their life and their story to tell. And um, so I did have certain boundaries with it, but definitely for some of the personal details of my own life, I sort of just put it all out there. And, and again, like no regrets. And I think that, well, it's more of like a wonder. Sometimes I wonder if only a few thousand people had read it, would I have just carried on? Like is some of the feedback um, or like kind of, I don't even know the right words for that, but it, it is sort of the fact that more people read it. One of the reasons that I became or got that feeling of wanting to be more private I don't really know but I it sort of felt like this is everything that I had been blogging about and then all the things that were really going on behind the scenes in all those years and it's there and it's uh, exists in print and it feels okay that that's the end of it um yeah So that part does feel good, like the completion aspect of it, of just sort of, 
these are all different kinds of things that I'd been working on for years. Like I briefly kind of talk about the early days getting out of debt, what, what that looked like, and then all these other little experiments that I had done. It's really all wrapped up in a bow in a way in that book. And it feels okay that that's the, just the completion that I, which I think is a good thing for people to do that. There's like a boundary in that as well, right? It's, to know and get comfortable with the fact that things don't have to last forever. Um, yeah. So there's, there's some stuff in that. I mean, I think another thought that I had a lot that year was I noticed my own, not surprising, my own like consumption tendencies around how I was consuming information and really realizing that like last year I barely looked at my computer. I never read blogs really. Um, it just wasn't the way that I was consuming information anymore. And so then asking, like I just started asking myself some questions. What would it look like? Or kind of like, why am I blogging if I don't read blogs? And why, like, or how do I consume information? And what would it look like if I only created in those spaces instead? And like, rather than pressure myself to be on all platforms um like last year I finally let go of my Facebook page that I used to have for the blog and then I stopped using Twitter because I was like I only go on Instagram so what does it look like if I only hang out there and in a way it was kind of just an experiment and so I wrote a I don't know maybe eight or ten newsletters last fall um but also quickly realized like or at least by the end of kind of that season of the newsletter that that was too frequent for me again because noticing I really only like the newsletters that I get like once a month <laughs> I don't like the stuff that I get weekly now I find half the time I'm just deleting them or unsubscribing because it's just feels too much or like I'm getting information too often um yeah so anyways now like this year's has been a little bit different I've sent out I think three newsletters so far this year and like doing it kind of every four to six weeks feels good to me right now. It feels like a nice way to kind of check in with people, share a little bit about like what's been on my mind or what I've been up to. Um, and also, I mean, in general this year, something that I'm at least for the past month or so, it's this new topic that's kind of come up for me is rather than writing things with like absolute answers or conclusions, like what would it look like? if I wrote about things in more of um, like, here's a question, here's something I'm thinking about and I do not have answers. Right. Like I think that I, again, it's noticing that the kind of content I'm consuming, if I find that people are offering me like advice or tips or whatever all the time, I'm really, um, what's the word? I'm like so out of words today. <laughs> Like I'm really noticing that I like this pushback or just like, that's not the stuff I want to read. And I would rather have just conversations where we're asking a lot of questions and just being curious rather than having to like be experts with, with answers and solutions for people. Like I don't really want to tell people exactly how to live or anything like that. And I, I don't think I've ever done that in the past, but I, I think because so much content has gone in that direction, I'm just noticing this feeling of like, no, run. I definitely don't ever want to write content like that. So 
Um, yeah. <laughs> Sorry if I'm rambling. <laughs> no, I there's, mean, been, there's been so much. Like, there's just been so many different thoughts this year. Yeah, and it kind of it blows my mind that it's been like a year and a half since the year of less came out because to me, it feels like it was yesterday. <laughs> I was going to say though, I think I'm sort of the same way when it comes to content. Like if someone is sharing the, like the answers with me, like unless it's how to pack my suitcase efficient, efficiently, which I am very interested in, I just, <laughs> don't, I don't care. Like I'm not interested in someone giving me the answers because I don't think that anyone has the answers. And I, most of what I tend to write about is sort of that I'm going through this thing and I don't actually know how it ends but this is how I'm feeling about it and there's a certain I always feel a little weird writing about those things because it it feels so unresolved because it's like I I, there is no end to it but that's sort of life I guess yes well and I think that there's something really in that like there's um there's a reason that we we don't share things we're questioning or struggling with because it's extremely vulnerable, not only to say you're struggling, but then to say like, I don't know what to do about this. Um, The other, so that's like for you, it's incredible that you have been sharing that way and like asking questions at the end of, of like things like your Instagram posts, because it, it creates a dialogue. Um, Something Again, I haven't written about this at all yet, but something I'm super fascinated by right now is the way that we give feedback. Um, And so I'll try not to ramble too much about this, but like for me, I've noticed one of the things that started to feel really uncomfortable last year is when I was kind of struggling a bit or asking questions about like what should be next, there are a few different ways people provide feedback. Um... Sometimes people let you just sit there in the discomfort and, you know, are there for you to support you in whatever you decide to do. There are a lot of people who give unsolicited advice. So when you don't actually ask for it, like if you're just saying there's like there's a huge difference, right, between saying like, hey, I'm struggling with this and hey, I'm struggling this and I could really use your help. And so I noticed last year when I was getting a lot of unsolicited advice, especially from people who didn't really know me or they thought they knew me maybe because they read the book or something like that. And, and it's hard because you know, and I know because I used to do it a lot, like more so with maybe family and kind of close friends is, you know, your people are doing it from a good place. I know that when I do it to my sister, I try not to now because I'm becoming so aware of it. Like I know now that, I was only doing it because like I want the best for my sister and I want her to have a really amazing life. Um, But when you don't give someone the opportunity to sort of just question and, and find their own answers, especially at their own pace, then you don't, you're like, you're not letting someone have their own experience and you're just pushing your own experience onto them. Um, So that was a definitely sort of like another reason I think that I felt that need to kind of pull back a bit and is still one of the things that I'm struggling with in in thinking of how to share in the future um I have noticed with the newsletters I've sent out this year the responses I'm getting are so lovely and there's not advice in it other than if I'm like where should I go in Germany and someone tells me somewhere that they loved um but like that kind of stuff again though it's like I'm I'm asking for it and so getting the feedback is great 
Um, but I do think it's sort of an issue on the internet in general is, and, and is another reason the internet feels scary a lot of the time is at least now. And I, I think maybe didn't years ago. I, I do think it's something that has sort of shifted over the past few years. Um, but definitely that sort of constant feedback, especially when you haven't asked for it is something that doesn't make it feel as fun anymore. Yeah. I think when you put something out there, you know, as uh, even just, you know, quote unquote, normal people, not bloggers or writers, a lot of the time, you know, we just put stuff out there because we want to get it out of our brains and into Mm -hmm. the world. Like we just want to like clear the brain cache and get it out, but we're not actually looking for an answer. And so something that I've done in my, in my real life, not online in any way, but if someone is sharing something with me that they're going through or whatever, I'll ask them if they want advice or feedback and then I'll go from there. Cause in a lot of cases they just need to process it and get it out and they're not actually looking for anything. But if they are, Mm -hmm. then I'll, you know, give that to them if I do have anything to share. But I, I think anytime that I've asked people for feedback, you know, it's always, I always know that it's coming from a good place, but when you do get that sort of unsolicited feedback, it sort of puts that pressure back on you to then respond to their feedback in, you know, in a positive accepting way, even if that's not what you were looking for, which is not what you need probably in that situation. Cause you're trying to deal with your own stuff. Yeah. Well, and, and again, I think it's, there's almost then that boundary there of like when people give you unsolicited advice, especially advice that doesn't feel good and you would never ever do. Um, it, it feels like it crosses a boundary in communication and, and, and just in general, I love what you said about, um, asking people what, like, if you, if they want advice or like basically what kind of support you can give them in the past, uh, I would say two, well, when did I meet my friend Azalea? I probably met her about two, two and a half years ago now when we were both living in Squamish, um, and power of the internet and like social media, which I will never say anything bad about because we met on Instagram because we somehow figured out that we basically both went on the same walk like every day in Squamish. Oh, wow. So found each other there and then figured out that she lived right behind me. Um, So it was really neat. And now she's one of my best friends. But Azalea has taught me so much about intentional communication between friends and and just all relationships. And that is so important. I've watched Azalea go through a really hard time this past year dealing with a lot of grief. And because of everything that she has taught me, I now know like, oh, when someone's grieving or just really in in any everyday life situation, if someone comes to you with a problem, it's really important to say, how can I support you today? Or how can I support you this week? If you want advice, cool, I can probably whip something up. Like if you want um, to laugh, I can come up with some jokes or like do something stupid. <laughs> like whatever would feel good. And like putting it back on the person and just saying like, I'm totally here for you and I will give you whatever feels good right now. Um, and this is the kind of stuff I would love to write about it more in the future. It's like right now I'm, I'm just in it. Like I'm just in it doing that work with my friends and with family and like I haven't really dated, but like learning how to date again. Like I'm, I'm learning how to communicate in a way where I'm creating really intentional relationships with people and making sure that like 
of, of a two person relationship, like that both people feel really supported um, and heard and, and like valued. And it's just, I don't know. So I'm like, I don't know what to blog about these days. Cause honestly, I, I really feel like everything I'm doing right now is on relationships and it feels not too personal even for me, but just like, I don't want to reveal anything that could be about someone else or whatever. And I, at the end of the day, I think this is some of the most important work that I'll probably ever do. Do you think that social media or the internet in general can create long lasting intentional relationships that only ever exist online? Or do you think that there needs to be like, there needs to be that offline, um, aspect to it in order for it to be quote unquote real? Mm, I like that question. Um, uh, I guess like I'll speak to experience. I have met a lot of people through blogging, through social media, and there are people who I haven't met in person. Um, but that I think for me, it's like, I know meeting in person would only would only add to it, but like just because we haven't doesn't mean it's not maybe as good of a friendship as one I have with someone else. Um, I do know that like again, me personally, like even though I'm I'm fairly introverted, all things considered. Um, although I just heard about this new personality test that like from someone who literally studies personalities for her career. And she kind of, it was a mind blowing interview because she basically said that all the personality tests out there are complete garbage. (laughs) And there's like only this one test that people should do. (laughs) Now I want to do that one and see if I'm actually introverted or extroverted. Um, But I'm fairly introverted, but I, I do get a lot from, in-person communication in person to me also being though like Skype or the phone FaceTime like I don't think you have to be with someone physically in person I do think that opening up lines of communication will always make friendships a bit stronger um mostly just because then you can hear someone's like tone of voice or if you see them you can see how they're doing or see their facial expression when you say something or just little things like that like I think that that adds um it adds a lot to communication because then you can respond and and again make sure that like they're feeling good and you're feeling good in the dialogue but in general I mean to me an intentional relationship is just like as long as both people feel supported and like cared about and valued like I was saying like I don't I don't think that that has to be only in person um and and every relationship will be will be different you know like I have people who I would say are really good friends and every single friendship looks different right like just because I talk to this person on text more or that person on FaceTime more or see this person in person more like it doesn't detract anything or subtract anything from the other relationships that I have. They're just all different. Yeah, I love that. I think that's awesome. It just occurred to me when you were talking, I think I'm right in saying that you have a degree in communications. I do. <laughs> Does it surprise you at all that what you're like really working on and thinking about now is about communication, given what your education is in? No, it does not. <laughs> it does not at all. It's um, 
and it's been like this kind of nice surprise and delight to see that like hell yes I am actually interested in this <laughs> like like I knew I was interested in it in school but there's also a lot of people who get degrees in communications and never do anything with it or it's just kind of I mean all anything sort of under bachelor of arts can be a throwaway for people right and so but I remember um when I finished high school I sort of told myself I had to follow this like practical path and I should get a business degree because it's just versatile and I can use it wherever whenever and um within a semester knew that <laughs> I would probably fail at that degree because uh, that's just not my mindset like it's not how my mind works and so knew when I was like 19 that I wanted to do communications and um no it doesn't it doesn't really surprise me it's just kind of nice um it's interesting because I have a degree in anthropology and international development studies as well as another degree in geography. And so all all of those things are sort of about understanding why humans do things, mm-hmm. <laughs> which now for me, I'm like, oh, it all makes so much sense. Why I'm interested in what I write about for the blog, because it's just, you know, how we consume things, how we operate in the world, how we're operating our, um, you know, our economy and how we're treating the environment. Like all of those things in my mind are all, you know, anthropological and have to do with geography. And so it all it all comes full circle. You think that your degree doesn't mean anything, but it'll come back. It'll come back around. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. And I mean, there's another part of that, the communications part of me that looks at that and saying, it makes sense that that kind of the the things that we've consumed, whether they're now and recent or in the past, I mean, they shape everything, right? They shape everything that we do and all of our interests, including the ones where you're like, nope, that doesn't interest me. But the information is already in your head. Um, So yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. So you did a lot of traveling in the spring-ish time, which now we're entering the summer-ish time. Um, Do you want to talk about that a little bit and how that sort of, if that's changed your perspective on minimalism or intentional living or anything like that Mm, oh gosh yeah I'm like (laughs) because I haven't I haven't really shared with anyone that I'm not traveling at the moment (laughs) um yeah so what I will say is that um you know I, I was never someone who traveled in my teens or in even in my 20s I guess when I was 29 I did a little bit but Um, I never traveled when I was young. It wasn't something that I ever had the money to do, um, partially because of spending decisions and I had debt, partially because I did school really weird and kind of backwards. And like I did two years here and then two years here, didn't finish until I was 27 technically. And so it just wasn't, that wasn't part of my like youth (laughs) as a lot of young travelers often start that way. Um, So when I started traveling a little bit more, though, because I finally, like, thanks to the shopping ban, which is just an experiment, but I ended up having more money, and so I traveled a little bit more. Um, I found that I did really enjoy it, and I think ever since then, so that was kind of 2014, 2015, about five years ago now, I have traveled, like, a little bit more every year, and, and travel has looked different. Um, you know, there are years where I haven't done much at all except for, and this, this is still big, but it's like, I haven't traveled much, but I did like a seven week road trip through the United States by myself or, um, gosh, what else have I done? Like just a bunch of little things like that. And then 
last year I went to the UK and to Ireland for six weeks and sort of it sparked the idea for the first time that um, maybe I could attempt to do it more long term. Now, not long term and like I'm going to leave for 12 months and never come home. That's, that's not really what I was thinking about, but just what if I went away for three months? What if I went away for six months? And just, again, I was asking myself a lot of questions like, could I do that? And what would that look like? And where would I want to go? Um, another big one or a big reason that I even let myself think about it is because uh, like the reality is that money does not grow on trees. Or some people say it does, but it doesn't. And so for my current financial situation, it's like, uh, living alone, which is very expensive where I am. Um, yeah, it's like living alone and traveling like that, uh, doesn't add up for me. Like I do not have the money to do both of those things. So then it was a question of like, okay, if I, if I did this, what could it look like? And, and which matters more to me, like continuing to live in this expensive, but amazing mountain town that I love so much, or do I want to try and travel for a bit? And again, not forever, say a year, a year and a half, and kind of just enjoy what that could be. Um, so yeah, so I decided to do the travel option, um, which means that for a few months of the year, I'll be at my dad's house and paying him rent, but not not the kind of rent that I was paying in the mountain town. <laughs> and then for the rest of the year, I will travel and do things like book uh, long longer stays at Airbnbs. Like typically if you book for 28 days or more, you can get some pretty significant discounts. Um, so I just thought, you know, I'll, I'll test this out and kind of see how it goes. Um, I learned, a, like I, I learned, I would say starting this spring is that like, there's two things. One is that um, it's, it can be, really hard to get long-term stays at Airbnbs in Europe. Um, not all cities and not like, this is not true for everywhere, but kind of the areas that I'm looking at or was looking at, I would constantly be requesting to book them and then getting declined just because they would say, Oh, I actually like live here and will not be away then. <laughs> and uh, it's interesting that they're even available to look at. Like it felt like this constant massive waste of time because I, I can't even tell you, I probably spent two weeks just applying to places and that being the majority of the answers why they weren't available. Um, and so I learned a lot about like that. I don't think being as go with the flow, which is what I wanted um, is going to be an option. Like I think, long-term travel in Europe is still an option. I just will need to book more in advance, which is not something I always love doing, but it's kind of like, well, if that's how it has to be done, then I will do that. Um, and the other part is that right before I left, um, I got, you mentioned it, like I got a, a deal for book number two and I will just say like with every ounce of my being, I truly did not know that someone would buy that book. Um, and that's a lot more on me still and just sort of like confidence in, I don't know, my ideas or my work or whatever, but I like really wasn't sure that it would sell. And so there's this part of me, like I just think I was really naive and thought like, 
yeah, well, I'll just be able to travel because this thing probably won't sell. Um, and as soon as I was traveling, also like the other part of me that is true is that when I work on big projects, like I learned this with the book, the first book, um, I need routine and like a boring life and I need not much of a social life. Like I, I, I guess like it's sort of Cal Newport's wording of like doing deep work. Um, I just, I need to be in a place where I don't have a ton of interactions and can really just dive into it. Um, so eventually like after six weeks, I ended up coming home and, uh, that's, that was hard in a way, like transition is hard. Um, especially if you had planned for something, right. You're like, Oh, this is the way it's going to go. And then to be like, okay, maybe it's not the way it's going to go. Um, but so I'm going to work here for the summer and then I will not book a flight until I have actually booked like Airbnbs. But my plan is then to leave probably early August. And again, only go if I've got some places lined up for a month at a time, um, probably in areas that I'm familiar with so that I don't have to really adjust, uh, and can finish the book that way. Um, and then, yeah, and then have some fun travel. Like after I submit the first draft, um, do something fun. Like I really want to explore parts of Germany and Austria and Switzerland. And like, I'm just obsessed with the idea of spending a chunk of time in Scandinavia. That would be very expensive. I don't know that I'd get to spend a lot of time there, but that would be the dream. Um, and then come home like at Christmas. That's sort of like what's in my head right now. But as I'm learning this year and every year, like you can't really, or like you can only plan so far ahead and like life happens and changes things. So. And then, and then you'll have a new plan. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, so. was, I was going to ask um, if you identify with, you know, the digital nomad lifestyle, but from the sounds of it, I'm going to go with no. No, no. And like, n- not in a, I shouldn't maybe be so dramatic in the way that I say that. Because it's not that I think that there's anything wrong with it. I just, um, that that isn't the life I want. So it's sort of weird then to like try and explain it. Because you're like, well, like I just want to travel like some of the time. But then like I do want to have a home some of the time. And yeah. So I'm like, I don't know. I think I look at every year now and I'm just like, it's all going to be an experience. And and we'll just see, but I don't, I definitely have no interest in sort of identifying it as that or, and, and especially because of things like I find once you apply certain labels, like it, it can look really amazing and lovely to people. And like, even, even the six weeks that I was there, like it was so lovely. And yet there was, there were still hard parts. Like there's always hard parts of travel. And I don't think that yeah, I just I think it's often sold as like the dream. You can live and travel anywhere. Also for me, I find another thing is that if I have too many options, um, I'm really bad at making decisions. So uh, yeah, the, it's like freedom is really good. And then it's actually really good also for me personally, if I create boundaries within that freedom so that it's like, well, you can't do everything. Like here are, here are the rules um, and or rules for me so that I basically can enjoy it rather than 
kind of struggle through through it. Yeah, I think I'm kind of the same way. We just got back from a trip out east to Nova Scotia, and I've never been out east before, so I was really Me either. Yeah, it's beautiful. Okay. <laughs> um, I imagine though it would look quite a lot like some of what you saw when you were in the UK, just based on what <laughs> I saw on your feed, and then with the kinds of things that I was taking pictures of, like this kind of looks similar. Um, and so we've also got some travel planned to Europe for the, uh, in July and August. And I definitely also don't really identify with the digital nomad thing because I just want to travel. I don't want to work while I'm doing it. Yeah. That's a, (laughs) that's a big thing though. Like, and I, I sort of realize it every time I go away and that's why like, it's funny. Sometimes it takes many times to really learn a lesson, (laughs) Um, but I, I remember doing the road trip through the States um, in 2016. My gosh, that was like four years ago. That feels like <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> I know it does. <laughs> but so I remember doing that road trip though and figuring out very early on, even though there were a few places I stayed for like a solid week, not only did I find it hard to kind of get into work, but I really didn't want to. Like, I don't want to work that much when I'm away. I really want to enjoy spending time with people, just walking around parks, towns, cities, museums. Like, I really just want to enjoy it and take it in and learn whatever I'm supposed to learn there. I do not want to sit in front of my computer all day. I do think it's kind of different. Like, if you picked one city and you were like, I'm going to stay here for three months and, like, that I think would be okay, right? Like I think that if you if you didn't have sort of that time restriction of, oh, I only have a few days or a week or even a couple of weeks, like if you were there for a longer chunk of time or for me anyways, like I think then that could be okay and I could work then. But yeah, I don't want to work when I'm placed. <laughs> <laughs> we already work so much of the time already. So let's, you know, have some punctuated non-work time. Yeah, yeah. So you announced the the title or the working title. I don't know if these things change. I don't know how books work. <laughs> but, but you announced the, new, the the title for your second book, which is Adventures and Opting Out. And when I just read that in your Instagram feed, I think I like said out loud, yes, because I, <laughs> I was just so excited about it. In, in reading or in, you know, realizing what the title was, Adventures and Opting Out, my first question was not for you specifically, but as, as a maybe a broader question, what is it that we're opting out of? Is it multiple things? Are they different things for different people? Um, or is there just, you know, the one thing that we all want to opt out of for some reason? Mm, okay, that's a great question. Um, based on my experience, there's a ton of things and that is one of the reasons that I was so nervous that the book wouldn't get picked up by anyone because some feedback from like some publishers was it's too broad and you need to like narrow in on something and my thought was just no like it does not matter if you are opting out of something as simple as being like I'm the first one of my friends to quit Facebook Um, or opting out being like, I am like changing my career path, or I'm going to move across the country or to an entirely different country or whatever. Like it doesn't really matter because at the end of the day, there's sort of 
these same processes I find that we go through, like mindset shifts that we have to make. There's a lot of things that we question, a lot of early signs that it's maybe a good decision for us. Like we feel some early progress, um, you know, but there's a lot of ups and downs with it. And it can take a long time for any of those things to really settle in and feel like they are, are part of who we are now. Um, so no, like to me, and, and that's why I know some people weren't interested in it, but I was like, no, like it's the things that we go through, the mindset shifts, the thoughts, the concerns, all of it, like they might be bigger or smaller in scale as the opt outs become bigger, but no, it's, it's the same. So yeah, it could be, it could be anything, which is, I'm excited about that. Um, and I'm excited that there were a few publishers who were also excited because it helps too, just to know that like, like, I don't know, again, it's that piece. Like I knew it was the book I wanted to write. I didn't know that someone would let me sort of. And so I'm glad that a few people were like, yes, yes. Like this is, this could work. I'm like, okay, thank you. Thank you. So we're going to leave it there for this week. The second part of my interview with Kate will be live not next week, but the week after. So make sure you come back for that. In the second half, we dig deeper into her upcoming book, some unintended consequences that can occur when we opt out of things. We discuss more what it was like for Kate to be traveling while also wanting to be environmentally conscious and what happens when that's not really an option and what she's looking forward to most for the rest of the year. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Every chance I get to talk to Kate, I just really love it. As always, you can reach out to me with questions or comments about this episode via email at tinyambitionsblog at gmail.com or on the blog tinyambitions.com. If you've enjoyed what I've been doing with Tiny Bites lately, I'd love it if you could leave me a review on iTunes. It helps more than you know to put my conversations on Tiny Bites in front of more people, and it would honestly just make my day. Until next time, I hope you've enjoyed this Tiny Bite.